good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever it is you are listening from. My name is Bev Chahonyo. This is Beverly Speaks. Welcome to my podcast. We are on episode 7 of season 2. That means we are pretty much halfway done through the season. This season has been quite on fire. It has it has made me ask myself thought-provoking questions. It is teaching me a lot about the power of forgiveness and the journey to forgiveness. It is making me have um, very insightful and intentional conversations with uh, people just about everything I'm learning and hearing. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in so far. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If this is, you know, not your first time, but you've missed episodes in the past, please go back and listen to them. And for everybody who is giving me feedback, I am so grateful. I am so, so grateful. Um, If you want to reach me directly via email, I can be reached on I am Beverly Speaks at gmail.com. The website will be up soon, so we're working on that. I also want to just say thank you. I know there have been some technical hitches in the past few weeks, especially because we're recording a lot of times from across borders. And sometimes the internet, you know, is not that strong and there are technical glitches. Thank you for continuing to come back and support me. Thank you for your feedback. I hear you. Um, So, yes. Uh, welcome back. Let's jump right into today's episode. Today we're going to be talking about surviving divorce. The gentleman we're going to be talking about, talking to, speaking to, is a gentleman, a friend of mine. His name is Nathaniel. He's uh, a divorcee. He's a single dad, and he's going to tell us his story. But before I get there, before I even, yeah, bring him on board, let me read to you some some something interesting i found out uh, the university of california at irvin two soci- sociologists chen tong lir wang and evan chauffeur analyzed nearly four decades of divorce data from 1970 to 2008 from 84 countries around the world they looked at changes in rates of divorce over time and different rates of divorce in different parts of the world Their report, uh, titled Coming Out of the Penumbras, World Culture and Cross-National Variation in Divorce Rates, was published in December 2018 uh, in Social Forces. Uh, Globally, it found that uh, nearly four de- globally in the nearly four decades between 1970 and 2008 the divorce rate had more than doubled from 2.6 divorces for every 1,000 married people to 5.5 notably most of the nations uh, mentioned here were not African and that is only going to make sense when you begin to listen to my guest today um, I got this information uh, from an article Uh, published in Psychology Today on the 3rd of February 2019 by Bella DePaolo, PhD. She's an expert on single people and is the author of Singled Out and other books. Um, She's an academic affiliate in psychology and brain sciences. All that being said, let's just say it this way. Divorce is ugly. People get hurt. People get wounded. Some people never get over it. Some people never forgive. It's even worse when there are children involved. So this is not a place where we are coming to sling mud at anybody. My friend Nathaniel is telling his story and his experience. And just have a listen and come back to me. I I welcome your feedback. Let me know what you think about his story. Let me know if you have a story that you want to share with me. And let me know if this has helped uh, or has started you off on your journey of healing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my friend from Nigeria, Lagos, Mr. Nathaniel Adegoke, a management consultant, a blogger, a single dad, and a divorcee. Welcome, Nathaniel.
Hi, Nathaniel. How are you? Hi, Bev. I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I am wonderful. It is a Tuesday afternoon going into evening. What are you doing in Lagos? Um, today is a pretty good day. The sun is shining brightly. Um, I'm working and, of course, we're all working from home. Mm. Um, I thought I was actually going to go into the office today, but no. Okay. I decided to stay back. So, yeah, I just shut my laptop so I could do this with you. Okay. So, you, you've taken our sun. The sun was shining earlier, but now it's raining. Um, uh, and Nairobi misses you. You should do another trip. I know. I miss Nairobi. <laughs> <laughs> so, miss you, Nairobi. Are, you, you love to travel. How many countries have you been to? Uh, at the moment, I'm on number 45. Wow. Yeah. Um, I will not ask you to name your worst experience in any country because I might have an audience there. So that's for very selfish reasons. But I will ask you to name your top maybe two countries that you've traveled to. Okay. Um, that's a very tough one because usually <laughs> I have like top five and the okay. five are in the top for different reasons. Not okay, necessarily because one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just that they just they just give me different vibes. Okay. Um, I love Russia okay. a lot. Wow. Yes, <laughs> I love Russia a lot. I, I'm I sorry. Do. Let me just say this. I I just did not expect to hear I love Russia <laughs> a lot from a Nigerian man. But you know, maybe that's my bias, and I will try to drop those goggles go ahead why do you love russia tell me about russia i've never been so um so i was at russia world cup and i was able to visit not just the popular cities so i was in quite a lot of other places that weren't as popular and i like the fact that russia has rich rich history Uh, and yeah. yeah so the history the people and of course it has amazing architecture as well Mm -hmm. so for me me it's russia then south africa i'm in love with cape town i'm in love with cape town (laughs) so i call cape town mother cape town (laughs) and i'll probably get into it somewhere along the line um in the course of this conversation i think cape town was one of those cities that I would never forget because that was a place I actually went to in the middle of my marital crisis when I actually knew it was over. Okay. And that was where I went to to get clarity, to to breathe, actually. Mm. And okay. yeah, Cape Town did it for me. All right. Um, so yeah, I love South Africa quite a lot. <laughs> And yes, um, I love London. <laughs> I'm oh, a UK okay. guy. Yes, okay. <laughs> I lived there for a while. So yes, yeah. all right. Living and working in the UK just made it like second home for me. Then of course yes. I love Italy. Yes. yes, I love I love Italy quite a lot. Then I love Brazil. So yeah, those five. Okay, all right. So we will we will exchange more notes later. But today we're actually here to talk about something that you touched on you talked about going to south africa to cape town to get healing and clarity in the middle of your marital crisis tell me about that yeah so usually when uh, a marriage falls apart people attend people tend to think oh it is xyz's fault or it's mm. abc's fault and mm. I've just come to accept the fact that there are ab- there are no absolute victors mm-hmm. or absolute victims when things like that happen. Yeah. And the reality of the African culture also meant that when you marry someone, mm-hmm. you didn't just marry them. Like you marry their friends, you marry their, their family, family, you marry their background. Mm-hmm. And um consciously or unconsciously you're just not getting a divorce from one person Mm. somehow you get a divorce from an entire group of people so 
yeah um that happened for me in 2016 it's four years now mm-hmm. and it's been a journey it's mm. been a journey i mean mostly liberating to be honest yeah but overall it's just a journey that reminds me of god's love and god's kindness you know when you're in the middle of that turmoil yeah. um, it's easy to think oh i'm out of god's will or god's not here right now or to think you're alone but the honest truth is you're never alone and yeah. the destination has never changed will never change it's just a detour and a lot of time god has a way of recalibrating us and bringing back us and bringing us back on the track of destiny so mm-hmm. yes um it started for me if i'm really going to be honest and this is the first time i'm actually talking about it in this detail publicly okay. that for me very early on in the marriage i knew mm-hmm. Um, we were not perfect fit for each other and we were two adults good people who loved the Lord serving the Lord but ultimately wanted two different things in life and we're heading two different directions Okay. and because two can't work together unless they agree it was mm. just a picking time bomb it was something that was eventually going to happen because I was very miserable. I was extremely mm-hmm. unhappy. Mm-hmm. And it took me seven years. Mm. But yes, eventually I knew it was not a journey I wanted to continue. And it's not something that one does lightly because someone might be listening to this and be wondering, oh, how can you just wake up and say, oh, somebody's not for you and you pack your bags and leave? Right. It's not that simple, to be honest there is mm. a lot of thinking a lot of trauma a lot of heartbreak and mm. sometimes you just need to choose your physical well-being your emotional well-being mm. and you need to go in the direction that you believe god is leading you which i also believe is always going to be the best for you because mm. if god is with you it doesn't really matter, right? It would right. always work out for your good. Right, right. I read something you wrote in your blog this week, actually. You said, there's always context and background to love and relationships. And we're constantly looking for people whose crazy is familiar. So I would imagine that there was a time when you and her, your crazy was familiar. Um, but you say that for the larger part of the seven years you were miserable. So when did that, when did that stop being the case? Okay, was there so a I, sequence of events? Was there a trigger? Yeah. So I think um, what I wrote on my blog, uh, I don't think I believe what I wrote on my blog this week. It holds true for for all of us. We Mm -hmm. have certain ideologies. We have backgrounds. And if someone has lived 20, 30 plus years, 40 plus years in some instances of their life with a Mm. certain kind of people, having a certain mindset, having a certain culture, getting married automatically doesn't remove all of that. No, And sometimes when we grow we also grow to fit a mold that we already have and these are all subconscious programming the neural pathways you don't even know these things are going on but they are there in the background mm-hmm. so in my case um i was raised in a very close-knitted family mm-hmm. and um i absolutely adore my parents and mm-hmm the same for them they adore their parents and mm. i mean we are very very close we love on each other we all we kiss we use i love you very frequently mm. like when i'm with my dad i'm like a child literally because 
I'm high-fiving him. I'm sitting next to him. Sometimes I'm lying on the couch, my head's on his lap. I mean, we have that kind of bond. And yeah. coming into marriage, I wanted that as well. I mm-hmm. didn't understand that there were other cultures, not necessarily bad, mm, but just, just not exactly aligned. Yeah, it's very different. And me wanting or looking for what I was used to make me remain extremely frustrated. And of course, I was naive. Mm-hmm. And I was also, um, I took quite a lot of unwise position on okay. some matters because it's a give or take situation. When you go into marriage, you adapt, you change, you accept some things, you. I mean, uh, it was all just modeled up for me and I wanted the exact same result or I wanted the exact same type of family that I was raised in to be mine. But this was a completely different person. So I couldn't guess that. Um, To be honest, we met on campus while we were in uni. And at that point, you really haven't seen life. No. <laughs> and the person you see on campus is not the same person who is now out of school and independent and on their own. So, um, yes, I wouldn't say I didn't notice some of those traits that I wasn't quite happy with, but I totally believe they wouldn't matter. Okay. Because, yes, I was in love and I thought, oh, okay. Um, they say love covers a multitude of sin, or we believe that because we love this person, we can overlook certain things, or we, we think, mm. oh, because I love this person, I might be able to change them, which is just mm-hmm. absolutely wrong and impossible to change someone else. So, yes, some of those things okay. were I noticed some, some I didn't notice, but it wasn't like that person changed per se because they've always been that person all along right okay all right so where how bad did it get <sighs> how bad did it get bad enough to want to get in the water <laughs> <laughs> bad enough to walk away um, bad enough i mean and and i I can imagine, I mean, with all this, there are two children involved, and we will get to that. Um, But let me just go back a little bit and ask you, in hindsight, what could you have done differently? Ha, quite a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, I probably should... Actually, I think my last post on the blog... spoke to me in a lot of ways actually i remember writing that blog it was one of the easiest to to write because and (laughs) and the feedback has been it's one of the deepest well to be honest it was just me writing about my life because Mm -hmm. one of the things i should i could have done differently was have little to no expectations and really um when you expect so in my local language they say something Yoruba people would say jummy jummy okurolunda it means oh I want you to be like me 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 at some point you become a witch or something like that. So in hindsight having expectation of her doing things like I would do them not necessarily good or bad. Just, no, just just like you would do. Yeah, just wanting her to have my perspective, just wanting her to um, love like I love, work like I work, be committed like I'm committed. I probably went overboard in my expectation because that fueled my frustration, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That fueled my frustration significantly. And okay. I also think um, I poured too much. And this is quite controversial because a lot of people mm. think it was the right thing to do. So my life was triangular. So I was home, work, church. 
and mm -hmm. my friends are our friends so i didn't have any life that mm. was not work that was not church and that was not home and she was part right. of all of that so right. um probably if i'd had some distraction some hobby or something i do that wasn't necessarily tied to her maybe that could have been an escape route then i also okay. think i condoned quite a lot early mm. on that I wasn't happy with, but I kept going along with them. And mm -hmm. when it got to a stage where I couldn't take them anymore, putting my foot on the ground and saying, no, that's not happening, mm -hmm. was making it look like, but this has always been the case. And I'm like, yeah, but I've really never wanted it. Or I've really never liked it. And I've always hated it before. I've just gone along. But you are suddenly I was in love you are suddenly now voicing it and you are adamant and you had reached the end of you uh, and it looked like you had changed. Yes, yes. And it looked like I had changed. And I think the last I would mention, which I think that's the fourth thing I'm saying on this point, I think the last I would mention was also family. Um, for mm -hmm. her, there was quite a lot of um, family interference and I remember one of my mentors telling me that um, you can't win a fight against our family and I mm. honestly wish I'd taken that seriously because no, you can't not win a fight against our family and our family played a whole lot of role in we getting to where we got to sadly Okay. And yeah, yeah. Um, if you ask her, she'll probably say the same about my family. About you. Yeah, uh -huh. but to be honest, I think um, allowing a lot of family involvement, and remember, mm. this family values do not align with mine, mm. was a mm. major undoing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have a relationship right now? Yes, I'm dating. <laughs> You're dating. Yeah. So how do you go from, I mean, I guess it has been four years, but how do you go from that uh, devastating heartbreak to I'm dating and I'm comfortable and I'm confident in who I am again? Um, I think it's about looking for healing wherever that is and whatever that is. In my case... I went to therapy. I went to therapy. I still have um, two of my therapists on speed dial. I still speak with them okay. from time to time. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I read a lot of books. I traveled just to go get some clarity. And also mm -hmm. accepting the part I played in the old mess and forgiving mm -hmm. myself First, for ignoring the red flags, for going ahead into a marriage I shouldn't have in the first place. And also mm -hmm. for some of the bad decisions I made and some of the mm -hmm. reactions that I shouldn't have while in that marriage. So accepting my own fault, forgiving myself, going through therapy, reading books, and of course, just trusting God in the place of prayer. All of that mm -hmm. did the magic for me. Okay. Alrighty, and so let's now come to your kids. You have two amazing kids. Tell me about your kids. Um, so yes, I have a son who is ten, and mm -hmm. uh, my daughter would be eight in two days, actually. Um, eight going on fifteen. She is so sassy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They um, are so. They are so beautiful. Um. So how did the divorce affect them? Um, it did affect them. I mean, it would be a lie for anybody to say, oh, my divorce or my separation did affect my kids. It's totally mm -hmm. impossible. I don't see how that is possible. But I think largely it's about um, making sure that their mental health and overall well-being is prioritized irrespective of how you're feeling um mm. i remember i took custody when my daughter was three going on four mm. and uh, my son was six 
so um i first had to have okay so for the first three months i didn't have any conversation with them about it okay. and when they ask about their mom i would say oh she traveled which actually was the truth um mm-hmm. so she was abroad i was like oh so she traveled and all of that um but mm-hmm. we moved houses then they changed school and at that point i needed to sit them down and say um sometimes adults don't get along and it's just safer and better for both of them to live separately and that's exactly the position myself and your mom has taken and they were not so i mean my son was sick and my daughter was just going to be four she wasn't four um mm. it was not something they fully understood right until a few months down the road almost a year when they had to start going to court during the custody hearing and the right the judge and all that was asking that they come and she was going to be asking them questions and confirming what their preference and choice would be in terms of what, which parents they want to live with and all of that so yeah i think that was the toughest part for them and also for me because mm-hmm. as a parent watching your children suffer because of your own decision is heartbreaking it's beyond what anybody can understand unless you've gone through it so i told mm. people who were trying to get divorced as i said divorce is insanely difficult it's not a walk in the park it is very mm. tough it's traumatic and mm-hmm. the bigger part of the trauma would also be because of the kids you love who are not suffering mm-hmm. as a result of this mess that you're in so yeah right. um it's impacted them but without grown all of that like yeah. um it's been four years um even though they live with me they visit their mom from time to time during okay. holidays they spend whole some part of their holidays with her and she also okay. visits them here like she was here last weekend and so yeah um they now have a mobile phone and they can call her whenever they feel like talking to her without necessarily coming through me and things like that so we've all settled into our reality and having mommy daddy conversation isn't awkward anymore Anymore. um at the point of duty during bedtime rituals every night before we go to bed i mean we pray and Mm -hmm. every single day they mention their mom their prayers Mm -hmm. Uh, mother's day we go to craft shop i get them things to make cards for her make gifts for her things like that i mean we've settled into the dynamics yeah and yeah there's still a little bit of um I, I don't I won't say the cordiality is one hundred percent between both of us, mm-hmm. myself and their mom, but we've tried as much as possible to remove the children from the equation and make sure that they never have to notice or experience that again. Okay. All right. And and, and for that I commend you both. So I will now come to this and you've mentioned it and so we will confront it. You are a single dad of two kids and you have sole custody. It's not shared custody, correct? No, on paper it's joint custody. But okay. in terms of the way it is executed, um, they live with me. They only visit her during holidays and she has visitation rights to visit them at home where we live. Um, okay. On paper, it says twice a month, but she could come as often as she wants to. There is no problem. With okay. That. Yeah. All right. So the biggest doubt. Okay. Describe a normal day for you. Okay. You wake up. What time do you wake up? Okay. How so, do you incorporate into their day? Because I'm, I, I, I've, I know the kind of person you are. <laughs> they are your world. Yes. Yes, they are. So I think pre-COVID days. And COVID mm-hmm. days are too different. I... <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, so pre-COVID day, um, my day starts at five o'clock, and 
it's uh, uh, my alarm goes off at four, five o'clock. By five thirty, I'm out of bed and I'm waking them up. By six o'clock, they are done with the shower. So, shower, taking, grooming, getting dressed for school. It's thirty minutes. By six o'clock, breakfast is ready. Usually, breakfast is not a lot of drama. Um, okay, with, usually. Yeah, usually. So it's like. Um, <laughs> cereal toast um pancakes um i mean something really easy you can make within a few minutes um, mm-hmm. the school bus picks them up at quarter past six and okay. there was a lot of trouble with that because at some point i used to drop them off in school every morning but mm-hmm. that typically meant that I needed to wake up early so that I myself is ready for work. So I drop them off and then mm-hmm. go to work. Or sometimes mm-hmm. I drop them at school, then come back home to get ready for work and then go to work. It was just a lot of stress. Um, they did like the school bus, but we had to come to an agreement that the school bus would drop them in the morning, but I have to pick them in the afternoon, which they eventually agreed graciously. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so pick them up at quarter past six right to school is anything between 30 minutes and 45 minutes so by seven they're in school and between seven and 7 30 they have the opportunity to catch up with their friends and 7 30 the school day starts um they okay. finish from school at two o'clock but then they do okay some extra activities swimming dancing music um piano martial arts coding depending on what day of the week it is uh, but mm-hmm. i have to pick them up at four so i leave my office and i make sure i'm at their school at four we are home at okay. 4 30 4 30 some time to five the older boy is preparing for abrsm music exams so we have an extra piano teacher come to the house and okay. when we get home at five, they have dinner at five thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, the piano lesson starts and ends around six thirty seven. Okay. Homework starts at seven seven thirty. They are done. Uh, we squeeze in like thirty minutes of play, but at the most eight thirty, lights out and they are snoring. So yeah, okay. our yeah, day... so that's because it's a long day for them. Yes, yes. So our day pretty much work like clock. I mean, it's so sacrosanct. But now COVID days, um, <laughs> online schooling starts at ten, and we are wrapped by one. So oh, I wow. have my sister lives with us in the house, so we take turns to help them with homeschooling. The older boy doesn't okay. need help; he pretty much can sort himself, but the girl does. Um, okay. So if I'm helping them with schoolwork, then I know ten to one I'm with them. If I want to do my personal stuff, I do it before ten or anything after one. If it's my day, of course. And once this yes. is done, the rest is to just faff around, play. I mean, we're trying to survive a pandemic, so I'm not putting too much pressure in terms of strict regimen. But yeah, they have a lot more time to play computer games and of course we so bond a lot uh, uh, as a matter of rule these days they spend mm-hmm. an average of two hours with me before bed and we talk oh, about wow. all sorts of things last night we talked till they passed out in my bed so i had to wake <laughs> up at 2am and drag them to their rooms so yeah we spend <laughs> that sort of time together these days yes okay um so how do you just going back to you are now dating have you introduced her to them do they know her no <laughs> okay uh, no. <laughs> okay so tell me how that thought process works when when do you think would be the right time to introduce her when i'm sure she's the one i want to marry again okay. and but you know uh, i know a lot of my christian brothers and sisters would probably not agree with this one, but to be honest, I'm still struggling to see marriage in my future. Okay. Um, I, I don't... Uh, some people say, oh, you're still traumatized, and this is you talking from your experience. But to be honest, I've researched 
the institution of marriage and i haven't found what's fit for me in the context of our culture and um so i'm just saying i haven't seen it i probably might eventually when i meet the right person or when this current person is clear to be the right person if i'm using the right word i don't want her to listen to right. this podcast and say okay so i'm not the right person <laughs> <laughs> no we're you're not trying to dismiss her you're just trying to kind of sort yourself out as well yeah. uh, because of the journey you've been on yeah and you want to also be fair to her and to be as honest with her yes but she's been possible. extremely kind as well of fact i'm i'm in a very happy place it's been a peaceful relationship and okay. i guess at this rate you would meet them very soon um okay but in four years they've not met any romantic interest no. i well i really like that because ultimately you're taking care of them first you're putting them first yeah uh, because they they did not ask they did not have a decision in this in this uh, situation no they uh, and it turned out yeah, yeah so i was saying that i okay. managed to okay. keep all my romantic relationship away from them just because i think it's best yes. to first make sure that they are settled then i before i start thinking about myself and all my romantic relationship knows <laughs> i actually did a post once and the post is about um dating a single oh, wow. parent okay. like um like i think a nine or ten point guide yes I, i'll put dating in the, a single parent for this, uh, for this episode so and uh, one I of the things there's a lot of people out there who would want to read that yes and one of the things that i say there is um don't ever put that person right. in a position where right. they have to choose between you yes. and their yes. children because you would always lose out if they're a good parent when you're with someone and the person have children especially young children they are primarily responsible for Um, it's important to recognize that their children will always come first especially when they are that age a lot of spontaneity that you might have enjoyed in previous relationship just showing up at their house or buying movie tickets and asking them to come out for the night or flight tickets and asking for you guys to go away for a couple of days those sort of things might not be exactly possible or easy mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship with a single parent. I also spoke about the fact that um, single parents most likely have come through quite a lot in mm-hmm. their lives up until that point and the children in front of them are a constant reminder of their romantic journey. So don't yes. be very unhappy or impatient when they don't move as fast as you would want them to move because you might be thinking or oh, we've dated for six months now should we do the next level or haven't we been together for a year now shouldn't we then be thinking of marriage and things like that so they might tend to be a little slower in okay. the normal or traditional timelines that people have as to how romantic relationship progresses. Um, so I'll share the link with you so that anybody that wants to read up on, I think it's nine or 10 points that I've raised on the things to bear in mind okay. when you're with a single parent or when you're dating a single parent. Okay, that that's awesome. Okay, I will post that um, in the notes for this, for this podcast. So what does divorce do to your self-confidence as a man? Um, okay, I'm not sure I'm the typical man in the <laughs> content because I know a lot of people would say, oh, divorce wrecks their confidence and things like that. Not for me, mm-hmm. because 
I left. And I guess it would have been different if I was the one that was left. Right. Yeah. So um I thought so so by day nine to five, I'm a management consultant. Right. So I'm always doing all sorts of analysis and sadly or strangely for my marriage and all that at that time I actually had a spreadsheet where I analyzed my marriage my life and I thought through the pros and cons deeply before making the decision yes recently I was going through some old files on my computer and I still saw that Excel spreadsheet (laughs) so yes it's important for people to know that the thoughts would not leave everybody the same way. Mm-hmm. One underlining theme or thread that runs through most story is that it involves a lot of trauma. Yeah. And in my case, I don't think self-confidence was one of it. And I okay. think a lot of that is also because of the family where I am from. I tell people my father gave me all the affirmation i would ever need in this world and the world to come (laughs) and the world to come i like that my father would look at me as old as i am and he would still send me a text so yesterday i woke up to his text message for instance Mm -hmm. and my father would say things like i'm proud of you um of all the things that God gave me are the most precious to me and they throw away I love you and my father I would hear him in the middle of the night in deep intercession not just for himself but for all of his children naming us one after the other and that was the same thing with his own father my grandfather so i think from a very rich heritage of fatherhood and people being there nurturing and raising their children so i've never really lacked confidence i've never been that person who can't walk into a room no matter who is there and hold his head up high i've never been afraid to talk to anybody that i need to talk to of course respectfully so um from a confidence point of view, no. Uh, and also because <laughs> I also think a lot of people tend to find me being a single dad extremely attractive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I get a lot of attention from ladies. Okay. So even if somebody is... <laughs> if somebody is... Self-confidence had been shattered. Yes, yes. So I I really didn't have any trouble along those lines. I think my biggest pain, like I'd mentioned before, was around my children. Mm -hmm. And also because I had to like put, and I won't even call that a pain. It's a sacrifice I was happy to do. Mm -hmm. I had to put a lot of my dreams on hold. Um, So before I used to own my company 100%. Mm-hmm. But because I was a single parent, I don't have that time. Like, I had to leave the office every day at 3 o'clock just so That's that I could right. be at school at 4. I couldn't travel and attend meetings or things that I needed to do outside town. So I had to sell some stake in the business and bring in partners. It also meant that I had to let go of some clients or some clients had to go because we couldn't service them efficiently anymore. So, yeah, those are some of the things that happened to me as a result of the divorce. Um, um, definitely self-confidence is in one of them. Okay. <laughs> um, is there a stigma? Uh, or let me ask this question a different way. Is are we unfair as a society are we unfair to men uh in in divorce when it comes to divorce um i would be hypocritical to say oh yes because to be honest i think the stigma is across board man and woman and i think even the women take a bigger chunk of it to be honest right Right. There is stigma, especially um, if you also belong to the faith community. 
so because um of course i i used to pastor at the local church so yeah mm-hmm. that had to go away by default mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i'm not sure there are many churches majority of churches would let go of a divorcee pastor the moment he says i want to leave my wife mm-hmm. except of course he's the founder and geo of the church mm-hmm. so yes so i think there is stigma and i think both genders share the stigma and maybe the woman the woman would even share it a lot more in a lot my more. case in my case i lost some friends and i think that was also something that i didn't think was going to happen or naively okay i knew i would lose some friends but i lost okay. some particular friends that i never thought would be one of those that i was going to lose as a result right. of it people don't want to associate with you anymore and it's as mundane as not even want to be a part of you publicly and okay so i'm going to oh, share wow. this specific example okay mm-hmm. so i had a very good friend who would always do shout outs to me on my birthday on social media mm-hmm. and this is like my really good friend like my really mm-hmm. really really good friend but wouldn't do that anymore since my divorce okay. and i remember him actually messaging me and saying i shouldn't do a shout out for him because it doesn't want people to think um for lack of better word that was not exactly how you put it but the meaning i got from it was it doesn't want people to think oh, that, he that, that he approves of me and my decision and that even though he knows that um i was suffering mentally and it was okay for me to have left under the circumstances he just doesn't want it to be obvious he doesn't want to put it out there because of course he's a pastor okay um, so there was someone there was another guy who was like a prodigy and grew to become like a family member and mm-hmm. left my house got married i supported him throughout and um recently i discovered uh, you know you just don't notice some things or yes until became, after the fact yeah it became obvious because of some events that happened recently that my divorce was part of the reason why he had taken a backseat in how closely he related or relates with me um mm-hmm. so yeah I think in that regard there is a stigma but you know one thing for every one friend I've lost I've gained 10 okay <laughs> and to be honest that's a mystery because there is a tribe out there who would relate with you who would understand you who would go all the miles that you need to walk with you and mm-hmm. all I needed to do was just find that tribe Yes. and of course relocating from my former accommodation to an entirely different side of town also meant that for anybody to come look for you they really truly love you because it's almost yes. an hour trip within Lagos to come to my house from my former house so um that meant that um I was able to change my network my circle mm-hmm. and it's been great I'm going to be very honest with you I have amazing friends in my corner right now. So yeah. um, I hope I answered the question though. So yes, there's still You have answered the question and and I will say this. I mean, I I knew you at the time. I did not know everything you were going through, but um I, after I got to found find out, I have to say that you were very strong and for those of us who did not know what was going on, we would you never you never brought it to work because it was kind of in a work setting that i had met you uh, yeah. you never brought that to work there was no drama associated with it um yeah. so i i have to say from where i'm sitting i'm sure other people will have their opinions but from where i'm sitting you handled it graciously thank you <laughs> thank you yeah all right um we've talked about whether or not you believe in will you get married again you did mention 
that you have that you you went for therapy and that you had have two of your therapists on speed dial um i a hundred percent believe in believe in therapy i did grief uh, therapy when my father died when i lost my dad we however live in a society where men are told that they shouldn't cry so my question to you is do you cry I'm a cry baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're a cry baby. <laughs> I'm a cry baby. I mean, so um, yesterday, I was seeing a movie on Netflix. Remember, I said, "Oh, my kids were in the room, and we adjusted yes. and drifted, and the younger one had drifted off to bed, but the other one was still slightly awake." And mm-hmm. I actually thought he was also sleeping. So I was seeing the movie, and I did remember when I started crying. And the boy opened his eye and he saw some tear beads dropping down my chair. I was like, Daddy, are you crying? I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, there's something in my eye. <laughs> so, yes, I actually do cry. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I've, 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 I've embraced my emotions, the full mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm. everything the good the bad i mean there is nothing ugly about expressing how you feel um Mm -hmm. moshi i send a ton of emojis when i type i use i love (laughs) you very easily i'm the person that will give you a beer hug i'm very yeah you do give good hugs (laughs) i'm very expressive of myself i mean and my emotions um i believe men should cry if they need to cry the tears mm. cleans the soul so this mm. morning i was on social media briefly it was facebook and mm. i saw the obituary of a lady that was announced mm. the lady is just a friend on facebook i've not met any person we've not had any private inbox conversation except for maybe we've made comments on each other's post one or two times in the past mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i also noticed that she was my um she also went to my alma mater right and that's all the connection and me seeing obituary made me cry this morning mm. and so yeah i'm not very averse to things like that i believe that when we embrace our emotions we Mm -hmm. actually allow ourselves to breathe and Mm. not embracing our emotion is just putting ourselves in a necessary cage at the end of the day Mm. you're human and Mm. if you need help and you need to cry for people to know you need help you need to cry and let people know you need help so yes i do cry in a nutshell (laughs) Okay. Um, so there's somebody listening. He's somebody sitting here somewhere and listening to this conversation and his marriage maybe is falling apart and or his world is falling apart. What would you tell him? Words of wisdom. Okay. I'm going to tell you straight up, brother. You will be fine. Mm. You will be fine. And it will not look like it. You will not see it. It would not even feel like it. The odds would appear to be stacked up against you. Mm. But at the end of the day, you will be fine. Because I'm Mm. a believer, a lot of my comfort comes from scriptures. I Mm -hmm. like God's word that says, he has written me, he didn't just say written, he said engraved, actually. That's the word. Mm. Engraved means I'm etched permanently in mm. the palm of his hand. He palm said my love are continually before him. And I like the words of Jesus just before he went to the cross in John 17. He said, no one that you have given me have been taken away or will be taken away. So mm-hmm. it does not matter what you're going through and it might sound insensitive to say it does not matter in your world it matters but in the grand Mm. scheme of things trust me you will be fine at the end of Mm. the day in Mm. terms of practical wisdom what you need to do you need to get help and Mm. there are 
tons of help available online mm. talk to trusted counselors find a therapist that can listen to you express how you feel and let them give you tools you would need to navigate your situation mm-hmm. second step do not allow the root of bitterness and this is tough because they've wronged you they've hurt you they've done unspeakable things to you i can't come on this podcast and tell you one over 1000 of what led me to making my decision and the mm. amount of hurt that i went through but i would never lay that charge on anyone mm. because bitterness is the beginning of death death mm. itself i mean our self image our psyche our emotions bitterness just brings the spirit of death to a lot of mm. things relationships mm. even people that know nothing about what you're going through because you're bitter with a there's a spillover to b c d e f g mm. so i'm going to say do not allow bitterness and forgiveness is for yourself not for the person and it should not happen instantaneously but commit to the journey yeah yeah Okay. to forgiving yourself and to forgiving everybody else uh, involved in your story. So so I think my own journey to forgive started from accepting that I'm not exactly without fault as well in the entire mix mm. and accepting my part of the mess mm. and looking at myself in the mirror and saying that was a detour in your journey that was in mm. your destination and mm. constantly affirming myself that what is before me is way better than whatever it is that is behind me mm. that hope helps me to let go of any bitterness i might have because mm. sometimes the reason why we are so hungry and so hurt is because we are pained at what we thought we had lost So if you lose a dollar mm-hmm. but you are absolutely certain that there is a hundred dollars in your tomorrow mm-hmm. you're not wishing you're not hoping you're 100% certain that there is a hundred dollar in your tomorrow mm-hmm. it's very easy for you to forget and forgive the under the one dollar you lost mm-hmm. so journey to forgiveness is starting from accepting that tomorrow is brighter mm. than today mm-hmm. and that consciousness has a way of spilling over into your heart and it has a way of softening all of the hard places mm. because mm-hmm. loss and grief are some of the reasons why it's hard for us to forgive because you're feeling like I've lost something I've lost time or I've lost mm-hmm. resources or I've lost relationships I mean mm-hmm. if you think really anything that you have lost is nothing compared to what is coming tomorrow mm-hmm. it's easy for you to start your forgiveness journey so yeah. yes that was it for me and reading a lot of books my therapies changing environment having all some conversations like we're doing right now Mm. admitting that i am not without fault and of course looking myself in the mirror still loving and affirming myself it's easy that, to move and share that same love and affirmation with someone else let me say this um mm. forgiveness 
doesn't automatically mean that you restore fellowship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes good fences make good neighbors. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Sometimes healthy boundaries are absolutely necessary for your own mental health for your own aspirations and goals Mm -hmm. so you might have forgiven them forgiven yourself it doesn't automatically mean you are reconnecting or you are restoring fellowship it only means no desire to be even you have Mm. zero desire for their downfall Mm -hmm. or for any negativity to come to them Mm-hmm. You're just at that point where you're at peace with your journey and you are facing your front, as we say here in Nigeria. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, this is so good. Uh, like you said, this is this is those conversations that I, I really enjoy having with you in terms of just putting perspective on so many things in life uh, in general. So, yeah. um, parting shot, what would you want people to hear as your parting shot? Um, so I'd just like to always say to you that um, we are not an accident and there is nothing that has happened to us that mm-hmm. is not part of the bigger design mm-hmm. and sometimes we think oh why me and my question is why not you mm-hmm. because we think we are special and I tell people in the real grand scheme of the universe you're not that special. <laughs> okay. If I'm gonna be honest. You're not that special. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. remember you are a puzzle, a, pe- a a piece of a bigger puzzle, mm. and you need mm. to play your part mm. in the universe. And okay. God has your so back. You have talked ultimately. about um, the divorce. You have talked about your experience as a single dad. You've talked about your dating life. You've talked about your hopes for the future. uh, And you've given us such insight. I want to say this to you. You have this. First of all, you're definitely a gentle giant. So I I appreciate certain aspects of you in terms of just how you said you've embraced every aspect of you, including, you know, that you are mushy, you know. Um, And I totally appreciate that. I want to appreciate... um, the certain aspects of you that a lot of men uh, are scared to show, uh, which is, you know, the embracing their emotional side. Um, but I also want to salute you for being brave enough to go through this, brave enough to fight for your kids uh, and, and brave enough to raise them uh, with integrity, uh, brave enough to go into your future and date again and dare to open up your heart again i want to salute you for that i know it's not been an easy journey but like i said earlier you have done it gracefully thank you so much for being so true to your story for being so true to your journey for coming up here and or on here and just being very open very honest and very authentic with the truths that you have spoken and also with being open and allowing us to share and have an insight into your journey you truly are amazing oh thank you so much for having me it's truly truly a privilege to be here so yeah guys it's really Awesome to share with you today. My name is Nathaniel Adegoke. I'm a truth teller. I'm a father. I survived trauma. I survived divorce. And today I'm grateful to God. I'm living my best life and I am enough. Thank you, guys. That is awesome. Yes, you are enough. Have an amazing, amazing evening. Uh, Give the kids a hug for me and come to Nairobi soon. I will. (laughs) Thank you. And there you have it, folks. I don't think that it would even 
be fair or do justice to Nathaniel's story to add anything more to that. I pray for anybody listening who has gone through an ordeal with divorce that you will find your place of peace, uh, begin your journey of healing, and walk towards forgiveness. I pray that for the children who are involved, that they too will find healing and a safe space in you. I commend you. I commend you for going through and coming out on the other side. I commend those who are going through just even as we speak. And I say this as I close with every episode. Remember always that you are loved and you are enough. My name is Bev Chahonyo. This is Beverly Speaks. Today we heard from Nathaniel Adegoke on surviving divorce.